it's good that we can worship this way, brothers and sisters, and, and yet I hope none of you ever get over how odd this feels. It is extremely odd to be in a sanctuary that's empty. And yet I'm thankful that we have the technology to connect this way and even to hear God's word in this way. And so I hope you draw encouragement from that. Uh, families with young kids at home, especially, I know this is a difficult time. Uh, you, maybe you're getting to do some family worship in new ways together. I just want to point your attention that we have children's ministry materials available to you on this same uh, page where you found the stream. There's a, a little button there where you can download their curriculum, and I hope you find uh, time to do that together as a family. It's a, a good thing for us to do that together. Well, this morning, we are going to have our third installment in our series called At the Core, going through our core values. And on a week where it has felt like so much is out of control, uh, the number of coronavirus cases here in uh, Indiana is over 100 now. It's over 300,000 around the world. And so it's so fitting that we turn our attention to a passage that puts us squarely on the authority and the mission and the comfort of our King Jesus. Our passage this morning is Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. I hope even as you hear scripture read, that your heart will be strengthened to trust Jesus during this time. Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Father, your word tells us that we are not to live by bread alone. For many of us, that rings differently on days where there isn't as much in the supermarket as we're used to, and there's a lot more anxiety about how we will provide for our families, would, would you remind us that we are to live from every word that comes out of your mouth? Would your word to us this morning, would it be like balm to our wounded souls? Would you help us with eyes of faith to see King Jesus in all his authority? And would you help us to follow him in full faith, knowing that our joy will be found as we, as we carry out his commission to reach the nations for his name's sake. Meet us now as we listen to your word. We pray this in your, the name of Jesus. Amen. And on the pedestal, these words appear. My name is Osmandius. King of kings, look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Nothing beside remains round the decay of that colossal wreck 
boundless and bare, the lone and level sands. That's a little piece of a poem called As Osmandius by poet Percy Shelley. It highlights the reality of the instability of the kingdoms of this world. The fact that princes are more in peril than it seems. That governments will not govern forever. That sooner or later, even the mightiest and most dreadful of rulers will be buried beneath the sands of time. It imagines a traveler out in the middle of a desert that comes across a statue, a statue of a once great ruler, fearsome, even evil in appearance. And yet this statue is now broken and is quickly becoming forgotten underneath the sands. You know, we live at a time when civilization itself seems like it is less stable than we imagined. Kingdoms totter, princes are in peril. At a time like this, we are starting to ask questions. Who really is in control? That's why at times like this, Christians have down through the ages found comfort in being reminded that Jesus is still in control. And to us, particularly this morning, we need to know that that means that his great commission is not canceled. This passage that we are looking at this morning is sometimes called the Great Commission. It is Jesus giving his will to his church of how we are to spend our time and our energy and our resources. And as we look at it this morning, I hope we will find confidence that our King Jesus still reigns and that his rule still extends over his church and off across the whole globe. We'll move through it in three sections this morning. Three ways we'll see that Jesus is in control of everything. First, in 16 through 18, we'll see that all authority belongs to Jesus. All authority belongs to Jesus. Then in verses 19 through 20, we'll see that all the nations must be reached for Jesus. All the nations must be reached for Jesus. And then finally, the second half of verse 20 we'll see the great comfort that Jesus, he will be with us always. He will be with us always. And all this we will be called to remember. Jesus is in control and his commission for his church is not canceled, brothers and sisters. Let's begin in verses 16 through 18. All authority belongs to Jesus. We're at a point in Matthew's gospel where Jesus has already died on the cross, been buried in the tomb, and been res resurrected from the dead. After this, there was a fair bit of confusion amongst his disciples. If you go back just a little earlier to verse 10, you'll see Jesus appeared to a group of them, and, and he had to tell them not to be afraid. He said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. In some ways, there's a lot of parallels between what was going on then and how we are living in this day and age right now. There was a lot of confusion. Things were very fluid. Things were changing by the moment. At one moment, they were following the Messiah. They assumed that must have meant that a, a kingdom would overthrow Rome and that God's reign of righteousness on this earth would come in a political power, but, but that wasn't to be. 
Now this was going to be a Messiah that suffered and died. That was a, a startling, even disorienting reality. But then even more strangely, that man that died, Jesus came back to life. Talk about changing the land underneath your feet. A dead man has come back to life, and now he is speaking and giving you commands of what to do. Well, in verse 16, we see they followed his command. They, they go to Galilee. That's the, where the bulk of Jesus' ministry on this earth happened. And there they go to a mountain, somewhere where he directed them to go. And I find it amazing that initially, most of them are drawn to worship Jesus. And that's surely the right thing to do to recognize his rule and his authority as the resurrected Messiah. But did you notice that, that second group there? Some worshiped him, but some doubted. Even at this moment, some of his disciples still doubting, still not sure what to make of this Jesus. All of that uncertainty is good news for us this morning because I'm sure many of us have anxious hearts, Many of us are unsure of how Jesus is going to shepherd us through these next weeks and months. And we're invited, along with the disciples, to find comfort from Christ Jesus himself, to find comfort from the authority of Jesus over the world we live in, even when it feels like it's out of control. Well, all of that is the lead up to verse 18 where Jesus speaks to his disciples. And as he does so, he gives them the reason that they should not fear and the reason that they will go on his mission, and that is his authority over everything. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus says, authority among the angels among the heavenly hosts, authority among the stars and the cosmos, as well as authority where the boots are on the ground here in the world you live, all of it belongs to him. Now we know how authority when properly used, even power when properly used can be a great comfort in a time of crisis, don't we? Back during uh, the, the World War II, right after the attack on Pearl Harbor, the United States was at an unbelievably tenuous time. People weren't sure what in the world was going to happen. So many soldiers and sailors had been killed in the attack on Pearl Harbor. Would, would the U.S. open up another front to the war? Well, it was at that moment where the leadership of Franklin Roosevelt was so key. He, he gave a very famous speech on December 8th, 1941. Some of the words of that speech are these. He said, as commander-in-chief of the Army and Navy, I have directed that all measures be taken for our defense. But always will our whole nation remember the character of the onslaught against us. No matter how long it may take us to overcome this premeditated invasion, the American people in their righteous might will win through to absolute victory. I mean, those are strong words from the head of the United States government. Authority when used to assure everyone there's a plan. Power will be used to ensure your safety. We're gonna get through this. We, we all want that, don't we? We crave it. Well, as wonderful as that assurance was from President Roosevelt, 
realize how much greater the authority of King Jesus over this world and over his church, how much greater comfort it should provide us. Jesus isn't some elected official. No, he is the eternal son of heaven who has rights and inheritance to all the riches of heaven. He doesn't just overcome some earthly army. He overcomes death itself. He overcomes the great enemy, the devil. And he's granted authority not over just a, a geographic area, not over several million people. He's granted authority over all things. God's very rule over all that is mediated through this man, Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters, that means if Jesus has all authority, that Jesus, Jesus is not out of control in this moment. Now maybe this morning you're not someone that call, thinks of yourself as a Christian. Maybe you found your way to our live stream somehow. If so, I hope you feel welcome. I'm glad you tuned in. I wonder, who are you looking for for security in this moment? Uh, I'm very glad that we have police and government. I'm, I'm thankful for the way that they protect us and keep us safe. And yet, at this moment, maybe are you thinking a different sort of thought that you had been thinking in the weeks leading up to this? Maybe you're, you're thinking for the first time, what, what if it's not going to be all right? What will happen if I die? Friend, that is the exact question that you need to be asking. And in fact, if that is a question that you're only now asking of yourself through this great pandemic, then it is a good thing for you that you're at this point. Because that is the very reason that Christians find such hope is the answer to that question. That our hope is not in an earthly government or even in doctors or medicine. No, our hope is in this man, Jesus. See, the message of the Bible is that our problem isn't just physical safety or health. No, it's much deeper than that. Our problem is that we are spiritual enemies of God. That each of us have lived for ourselves instead of God. That we are under a curse from the very beginning of humanity as we have gone our own way. Tried to live in the way that seemed right to us instead of the way God who made us designed us to live. The Bible calls that sin. And it tells us that the problem with sin is that it will result one day in our punishment from a holy God. Whether we realize it or not, that means we're all at odds with God. And one day when we die, we'll find out the penalty for this sin is eternal death. To be cast out of his presence. To be punished forever under his wrath in hell. But the good news that the Bible teaches is that this man, Jesus, who will one day judge all of us, is also the one who is full of mercy and love, who came and gave his own very life as a substitute for sinners, to be punished in their place so that God's enemies can be forgiven and so that our deaths are no longer something we have to dread. Jesus, the one who came back from the dead, offers us eternal life. That our dying will not be the end for us. So friend, if you are tuning in this morning, and maybe you're anxious and not sure where to look to for help, would you hear what 
the Bible, what God is saying to you this morning. You can find all the hope and help you need in this man, Jesus. You just need to turn from your sin and trust him and he will give you a new heart from the inside out. He will replace your dread with joy. That's something Christians have been experiencing down through the ages and you can experience it this morning. Now for all of us that are Christians, we have something in front of us too, a question we must answer. It's one thing to believe that the Bible says Jesus has authority over all things. It's another thing to believe that's actually true and to live in light of it. Have you been asking yourself the question this week? How can Jesus be in control with the coronavirus just running through the world the way it is? How can Jesus be in control with so much suffering and death? How can Jesus be in control? Maybe if I lost my job this week. Maybe if I can't go visit someone I love. How can Jesus be in control when I feel so alone right now? Well, brothers and sisters, to answer that question, I want to turn your attention to what Scripture tells us about how the very suffering and the trials and pains that we go through in this life as Christians, how Jesus actually uses those for our good, for his glory. We could spend all morning going through different passages that speak to this. I'm going to limit myself to seven of them. I'm going to move through them quickly, and they'll be posted for you in our sermon application guide later. So don't worry if you can't write them all down as fast as I go through them. What is Jesus doing for you in the midst of this pandemic? James 1.3 tells us that he is producing steadfastness in your heart. He's producing an endurance within you that will outlast this outbreak. Hebrews 12, 11 tells us that he is preparing for a harvest of righteousness to come out of you, that you will be more holy and godly as a result of this time of waiting and testing. 1 Peter 1, 7 tells us that he is revealing the genuineness of your faith, that at the end of this, you will be more sure than ever that you belong to Christ. Luke 13, 1 to 5 tells us that he's reminding us of our need to repent of our sins. 2 Corinthians 8, 2 is telling us that he is cultivating within us generosity toward other Christians. The body of Christ, one part to the other, helping as God intended. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, he tells us that he is making Christ's power visible in our lives. He is making obvious that it is the grace of Jesus that sustains us, not our own strength. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 shows us that he is allowing us to have eyes of faith to see beyond this world into the glory that's going to come at the renewal of all things. Brothers and sisters, would you remember that your King Jesus, he is in total control and he is working. He is even using this pandemic for your good. One example of someone who saw this work of God within him during the midst of sickness and illness was missionary David Brainerd. 
He was uh, especially fruitful among the Indians in the Northeast, the Native Americans up there. But he dealt with sickness his entire ministry. He had a, a, a tuberculosis and it, he suffered greatly. He, he would ride for a few days and then he would be stuck for a month because he was so sick. But it was actually his weakness that God used to show him so much comfort. This is what he wrote. He said, such fatigues and hardship as severe to wean me more from this earth and I trust will make heaven the sweeter. Formerly when I was thus exposed to cold and rain and the like, I was ready to please myself with the thoughts of enjoying a comfortable house, a warm fire and other outward comforts. But now these have less place in my heart. And through the grace of God, my eye is more to God for comfort. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is in control of this pandemic and he has something for you in the midst of it for your good. What is he working into your heart? How does he want you to be more like him at the end of this? How are you spending your time? I hope it's not just binging on Netflix. I hope you are using this time that he has given you in whatever way that he has provided it, whether that's not being able to go to the office or, being, or whether it's spending more time with your children or whether you have lots of free time and space all of a sudden or you're busier than ever. I hope you are using this time. You're using it to draw closer to God through Christ Jesus. None of this was outside of his plan. None of this surprises him. And that means he's calling you to be faithful in this moment. But that does lead to a question. If Jesus has all authority and he's using this for our good, what are we supposed to be doing collectively as the church? What is Jesus' church supposed to be about? That brings us to the second section, verses 19 through 20. Not just that Jesus has all authority, but that Jesus is sending his church to all nations. All nations must be reached for Jesus. He's already established that he has control over all things. Now in verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You'd be forgiven if thinking that much like everything else in society, it seems right now, that the Great Commission was on pause. Uh, maybe you've been getting email after email about different events and clubs and schools and yes, even church services that no longer are meeting. We are in a time of uh, rolling cancellations. It feels like everything is on pause. My brothers and sisters, the, the Great Commission is not canceled. The mission to reach the nations for Jesus is not on pause. Jesus tells his disciples here at the very beginning of this age of the church that they are to go and make disciples of all the nations. And that means bringing the good news of the gospel to people wherever we can find them during whatever circumstances he may call us into. Think about how this happens down through church history. The book of Acts is not exactly what you'd say a very stable period of time, is it? The church starts expanding how? Well, persecution breaks out. 
Believers are scattered to different parts of the world and they bring with them the gospel of Jesus. And as they do, people are made disciples. They do exactly what Jesus said they would do. They, they baptize them. That's their making people go public with their faith, putting on the Jesus jersey, saying, I am with Christ. And then they are taught. They're taught everything Jesus uh, Jesus told his disciples and more. They are, they are taught what it means to be a Christian. And part of what it means to be a Christian is telling people about Jesus. See, brothers and sisters, it's so important to realize that adverse circumstances do not put on pause the mission Jesus gave to his church. The Great Commission is not canceled now and it has never been canceled down through history. Do you realize actually that great affliction and difficulty and specifically plagues are one of the things that cause the church to explode around the world, you might say, to make the gospel go viral? A couple hundred years after the first disciples, Christians were still a very small minority marginalized group in the Roman Empire. And then an event called the Cyprian Plague broke out. We don't know exactly what it was. We just know some deadly contagion swept through the Roman Empire and killed about a third of the population. Now, during that time, Christians were not thought very highly of. And so you might expect that this would be the, the death blow to a marginalized movement. But in fact, the exact opposite happened. This proved to be the spark that caused the flame of Christ to grow hot and the gospel to spread all over the Roman Empire. You see, the Christians, instead of staying, hiding away in their houses, they actually went out and started ministering to people that got sick. Now, they weren't spared. No, many of them died. And yet, through their deaths, they won over their neighbors. And people in droves came to Christ as a result. This is what Cyprian wrote of this. He said, most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. And with them departed this life serenely happy. For they were infected by others with the disease drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. Many in nursing and curing others transferred their death to themselves and died in their stead. What a beautiful thing it is when Christians motivated by the great commission and the gospel of Jesus reach out at great cost to themselves, even at the cost of their lives. Another time during church history that a plague resulted in Christ's glory and the good of his church. Now, the, maybe you've heard of the Black Death. The bubonic plague broke out, swept through Europe, killed somewhere between 30, 60% of the population. I mean, it's unfathomable to think of how horrible that time would have been. People living in that time must have thought the world was ending. But you know what resulted from the societal changes that had to come as a result? Well, the Renaissance 
And then one day, because of increased education, the, the printing press. And then one day, because of that, the Protestant Reformation. The preaching of men like Martin Luther and John Calvin and John Knox, all only made possible by the horrors of the Black Plague sweeping through Europe. See, brothers and sisters, we may not be able to see what it is Jesus is using the coronavirus for in its fullness this side of eternity. Maybe if we are fortunate enough to live long enough, we'll be able to see just a little leading edge of what he is accomplishing. Yet we must have this confidence that Jesus is in total control. And his mission to reach the nations of this world, it is not on pause. The, the Great Commission is not canceled. He's working all things together for our good and for his glory. One of our core values is sharing the gospel everywhere. And it is more important now during this season than ever that we as a church have this straight in front of us, that we are a people called by Jesus to reach people that don't know Jesus with the gospel. Our core value reads this way. We believe that every Christian is called to be an ambassador of the kingdom of God by proclaiming the good news of the gospel to those who have not yet believed. We are committed to Christ's great commission, equipping, supporting, and sending ambassadors of King Jesus to the unreached in our neighborhood, our city, and around the globe. Brothers and sisters, the great commission is not canceled. The only thing that has changed are our tactics. Now, I'm not for a second suggesting that we should ignore the advice of our local health departments and be reckless and going out, getting close to people and potentially in, even increasing the uh, pain and suffering caused by the coronavirus. And yet realize what a moment we live in. We live at a time where we literally have tiny computers in our pockets that let us connect with people around the world in fractions of seconds. We could reach our neighbors for Christ without leaving our house even for a second. So brothers and sisters, I have to ask, who will you reach for Christ this week? If you're not already thinking about this, I am challenging you to do so. Who can you send a text to to say, I'm thinking about you? Who can you call on the phone and ask of their welfare? And as you find out how they're doing physically, you ask how they're doing spiritually. It's as simple as saying, do you know, can, can I share with you how it is I'm getting through this really difficult time? Can I share with you how my faith is actually giving me hope at this very moment? Friends, there is a unique window into the lives of our neighbors and our loved ones a time where they are thinking about the fact that this world won't go on forever, that this life will end. If we're not going to reach out with the gospel of Jesus now, when will we? So I challenge you this week, even if it seems weird or awkward, even if you're not sure how they'll react, call someone, text someone, reach out to someone, some way, somehow. Try to share the gospel of Jesus. Our mission hasn't changed. The Great Commission is not canceled during this time. One of the other things we need to realize is that the Great Commission 
is to reach all the nations. That means our neighborhood, but it also means to reaching all the nations of this earth all around the globe. It's a reason why it's more important than ever for us to be committed to our missions partnerships. Uh, maybe you find yourself with more time on your hands this week and you're not quite sure how to use it. Let me give you a suggestion. Why don't you read the latest newsletter from the Foltzes or the Humphreys? Why don't you, as a family, spend 20 minutes familiarizing yourself with their ministry and praying for them? Why don't you write them an email or send them a letter or do something to encourage them in their work all the way around the world? Now, we are committed to supporting and in every way possible, financially, through prayer, through encouragement, our missions partners. Why don't you use this time the Lord has given you to take part in that ministry? Uh, one of our other core values that's very important, our, our biblical unity in diversity, is really built on this idea that Jesus has a mission for the whole world to worship him. And that means people coming from all different backgrounds and places, all coming together into one new people, into the people of God under the lordship of Christ. Our core value, biblical unity and diversity, reads like this. We desire to be a community of believers that reflects the unified beauty of our triune God. We believe that in Christ, whom God has unified us by his spirit and therefore we celebrate generational and ethnic diversity of all image bearers of God, anyone he brings into our fellowship. We also value an atmosphere of humility and charity as we engage in theological discussions that fall into the framework of sound doctrine. At a time where it feels like we're more disconnected than ever, this core value of our unity and diversity reminds us that we are all connected the same way if we are Christians, that we are all brothers and sisters, regardless of where we grew up or how much money we make or what sort of house we live in, we are all connected because we're all under the lordship of King Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the Great Commission is not canceled. Our mission to reach the nations is not paused. King Jesus still has all authority and he is calling us, us to be his ambassadors, to bring more and more people into the family of God, into the body of Christ. Well, it's one thing to say we need to do that. And even knowing Jesus is in control, there, there's still a gap. I, I know I felt this this week. I know that Jesus is in control. There's some comfort from that, but my soul still was anxious this week. It, got, it actually got so bad at one point that I had to shut off all the, the news and Twitter and, and just spend some time praying. I don't know if you felt the same way. Well, I, I don't think it's a surprise to Jesus that we as his followers would have such anxious hearts, which is why he ends this section of this great commission to his disciples with a word of comfort. Because not only does Jesus have all authority, not only are we sent to reach all nations, but he promises us that he will be with us always. Look there in verse 20. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So many of us right now are fe feeling that lack of physical presence 
that lack of being able to gather with our friends, that lack of being able to gather as a church, that lack of being able to look your loved one right in the eyes from right in front of them. We feel that longing because there is something about presence that brings peace to our hearts, doesn't it? A young child will know that if they are next to mommy and daddy, things will be all right. Presence brings with it a special sort of peace. That's why Jesus wants us to know that he, that we will never be alone. No matter what trial or circumstance, no matter how great the crowd or how isolated we are physically, we are never alone. Do you remember how the Apostle Paul described that trial? He said, no one came to my trial. Could have felt very lonely in that moment, but he said, but, but Christ, but Christ stood with me. Believers down through the centuries have found this to be true, that when we are most alone, Christ's presence is most sweet to us. So brothers and sisters, maybe you're at a spot where there are not many people that you can physically be around. And maybe you have been feeling that acutely this week. Would you remember that the presence of Jesus is with you? Would you find your times on your knees to him in prayer all the sweeter? Would you find the comfort and grace you need at his hand? And would you remember, no matter how hard it gets, he'll never abandon you. He will be with you to the end. I love that hymn, Be Still My Soul. It speaks so powerfully of these truths of Christ of his authority over us and of his peace that he brings to us by his presence. Listen as we close this sermon to the words of that song. Be still, my soul, the Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide in every change he faithful will remain be still my soul thy best thy heavenly friend through thorny ways leads to a joyful end brothers and sisters Jesus he is in control and even though he sends you even though his mission to reach the world may seem scary, even though your strength may seem like it's failing, would you remember he is with you and he will be with you to the end of the age. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, would you help us to be still? Would you help our anxious souls to find the peace that only comes as we bow down before your feet. We confess that you are king of all, that there is not a virus or disease or plague that can overthrow your mighty right hand, that all the kings and princes of this world have no power compared to yours, 
And we confess that you are good and we know this. And yet, Lord, we know that we need your help as your people to live in light of your power and your goodness. Would you grant to us now to sense your presence, to sense even your hand upholding us, to give us the grace we need to carry out your great commission, to not be fearful, but to move forward in full faith. Oh, Jesus, help us to worship you now with full hearts. We pray in your name. Amen.